0: Hello. Hello. Hello! Start talking! It is Friday, April the 8th. It's uh, 2022. This is episode 273, and this is the episode that we're going to call The Probing Pauls. Ah, uh, yeah, you guys, you bums, you never like what we have to say.
1: Kill him, do it!
0: Kill him. Shoot him. him. Oh, for God's sakes. You guys can't say that about us. We're nice guys. What can I say? Listen, we're going to do this, I think, on a regular basis. Fridays is going to be the Probing Pauls, the Paul Truesdale podcast. I'm going to bring my son in. What else? His name is Paul Truesdale. And we're going to do this on a regular basis because, listen, I realize that a lot of you folks out there are uh, interested in things and some of you are more interested than uh, others on uh, things beyond Christmas. Yes, gotta buy all that crap that nobody really wants and uh, the countdown continues. So, one of the things I do is we do this repetitively every Tuesday and every Friday and like Bill Murray says, I have been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. And in my case, just about every one of those things has happened to me. Let's get started and then we're going to have a conversation and I'll tell you how we're going to do this on Fridays. This is the Paul Truesdell podcast. Due to our extensive holdings, that of our clients and your host, you should assume that we have a position in all companies discussed and that a conflict of interest exists. The information presented is provided for informational purposes. And now, Paul Truesdell. Now, our guys that are in studio will not be joining us today, but I'm going to tell you who they are. On Tuesdays, we always have Roscoe. Yeah. Then we have Curly Joe. Sweetly. We have Tiny Tim. Yes. Whoa. And we have the Reverend Ralph that gets up and preaches every day, and he says the same thing. What is that, Ralph? Oh. That's yeah, about all he's good for. We have Leon Gassamascus from Damascus. And then we have two people from the Ocala National Forest, Bubba and Tarzan. Wow. So that's who we are. We uh, sit back and have a little bit of fun, and uh, we cut up a little bit, and we're going to do that on Tuesdays. So I think what we're going to do is on Fridays, we're going to mix it up and start doing the probing polls. Why? Because I can do whatever I want to do, and let's do that. Now, one of the things that we do here is we talk a lot. Everybody sits down and contributes to what we're doing. I want to thank all of our research analysts from border to border and coast to coast, from the, the, all continents, from the, all the poles. Uh, we don't have anybody on Mars or Venus yet, but uh, we do have them on Pluto because we do believe that Pluto is definitely a planet. Yes, Pluto's a planet. And one of the things, obviously, we're spending a lot of time is talking about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. Red Alert! And we connect dots. I've been doing the connecting of dots for a long, long time. So let me drop in our discussion that we had earlier today
1: and let's get started. funny the article i saw about it person said something along the line, person said something along the lines of how um you know the questionable legality relating to lending somebody on a sanctions list it's like well no you can't do it there's no questionable anyways you were
0: saying about abramovich
1: yeah he had been obviously he's been sanctioned and all of his assets in the west are frozen and the word on the street is that he's been asking for basically a loan for be able to make payroll for his western employees from anybody that'll listen so Celebrities, bankers, all of his friends in the West. And as far as the last thing I saw is that he's, nobody's willing to do it because as the dumb article that I saw said, something along the lines of the, Oh, the questionable, re, the questionable legality about lending money to somebody who's on a sanction list. It's like, no, it's, it's, it's illegal. You can't do that. Well, let's go. Sanction-
0: he was Putin's big buddy. He's a, he's a, he's, a, he's a, an oligarch. He's a billionaire many times over. He's got the big giant yacht. what, what, what give a little background on him?
1: Yeah, he was, a, a gangster during the collapse of the Soviet Union and he he did stuff like they, he would steal um, Russian oil trains and then they would illegally sell the oil to whoever and then they would return them and uh, you know empty and stuff like that and then you know I guess you know he's just associated with that that kind of criminal world and then as the Soviet Union was it went into further collapse and economic uh, destruction slash reorganization they he was able to to, with his connections, um, acquire former uh, we call it um, government-owned assets, businesses on the cheap. He bought, uh, I guess, a steel, a giant steel uh, manufacturer, I think, and then two oil companies. Um, one of which he bought for like a few hundred million, which obviously is a lot of money, but uh, it was nowhere near what it was worth. It was he got it for like t- like ten percent of what it was worth or something, and then he sold it back to the Russian government for like a five billion. Billion dollar profit or something in like 2005 after Putin was solidly in power and everything. It's just it's just just corruption. It's just he, he's he's literally just he's made billions of dollars off of corruption. He's not, not exactly somebody to be admired, but he owns a. At one point, I think he owned the owned the world's largest yacht. Um, he had a. Did big, the Italians seize that? I thought they did. I don't know it, what of his got seized, if anything. I think the one he had under construction in Germany got seized because it wasn't completed. But his his primary big giant yacht or yachts plural I think they escaped because of course the Russian government gave special notice to special people what was getting ready to happen and he was able to move them to russian friendly countries where they couldn't be sanctioned same thing with all of his planes and helicopters and stuff but the thing is, is he has tons of assets you know he, he also owned I think what is it the Chelsea football Club yeah, yeah. um what he just sold that? or no he tried to say so he tried to sell it to get ahead of it because he hit, because of his position being close to Putin and trying to supposedly mediate the Ukraine situation, um, he they waited to put sanctions on him. Um, plus, also the Israelis got involved and tried to uh, tried to prevent him from getting because he's a huge patron of, of not for profits and owns lots and lots of stuff. In Israel. Well, I
0: think it's important that you know just bring up real quickly. He, not only is he a Russian citizen, but he's also a citizen of
1: Israel. Yeah, I think he's also a citizen like Portugal. So he's a, he's, a, he's a very multicultural type person.
0: Yeah, and you know the thing is, I was going to say when you talked about the, the the collapse of the Soviet Union and then a lot of people do a surface they don't dig deep into the fact that I call it a revolving door I mean while the faces may be different it's like revolving door of lobbying here in the United States you become a congressman then you go into a lobbying and you make your millions unless you're Nancy Pelosi where you accumulate $100 as a hundred million dollars as a member of Congress but the point being is it's, it's all it's, no matter what it is it's who you know what you know who's in power everybody take care of so okay hey everything falls apart i'm in charge i'm large and in charge it's now me but what is the deal putin's ahead of the government it, they're all scratching. It, it's all about business and, and if you think about it so as we were talking about this morning i was going through all the people that i've i've seen in the last week of my travels it's about who you know and what you know and who does this and that and getting things done it's just on a different level oh, yeah. but that's not really what government's supposed to be is
1: it government's supposed to be for
0: the people not for the rich
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. it depends on who you're talking to yeah. i know yeah, if you're if you're a normal person and yeah, your perspective is it's supposed to be for me. If you're an elite, you're like the government is for me. It's just it's just, you know, it's yeah the same it's, thing. it it's it's
0: it, 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 it depends upon your, your perspective. I think it's interesting. You were talking earlier about him not having money to pay.
1: Well, I that's what I was getting to. So But
0: so, he, all of his people are not in Russia. They're they're all over the world. And that's one of the things I wanted to drop in it. Yeah. We're talking people working. Well, I don't get paid in rubles. <laughs>
1: Well, so. yeah, so so this this guy, you know, he's a, he's a, connected to Putin, whatever. And anyway, so like this, this the Chelsea club thing is actually quite funny. So he he tried to do a pull a fast one and and quickly sell it uh, to I don't know who, um, and then basically put the money in a not for profit to avoid sanctions. And British were like, nah, we're not doing that. And they seized it and locked the bank accounts, and they they seized everything so thoroughly that they had an inability to pay the actual employees of the club till the owner and everything had been totally stripped from him so it's quite funny
0: unfortunately um, those people suffer and you would hope that quote unquote the government you know it, it unfortunately they, they suffer as well but you, you have to you have to break these people
1: well they had a delayed paycheck for a
0: week but a tough, a
1: tough i understand movies, that I I'm, I'm being compassionate yeah but it's a big big deal like i'm um, you know they're all gonna they all got paid they just had to make sure that this guy couldn't pull assets out of it and try and hide them that's that was the whole point point. and um yeah so anyways he i, I, I some, I guess, you know, whatever his, his, uh, favored position as a close confidant of Putin or whatever, uh, waned or, or ceased to mean anything to people. So they started sanctioning him. And, uh, anyways, yeah, the word on the street is that he is asking politely for a small, as, as Trump, as, as, as the meme from the, from the Trump era was a small loan of a million dollars so he can pay his staff. But funny thing is, is his staff apparently is huge. It's like $600,000 a week or something. So he employs tons of people and anyways uh yeah so he's he's up up a creek without a paddle as it were and the other thing you know as as it relates to this type of situation is how people are commenting out there mainly um let's say the less the less sophisticated are commenting that oh, the the ruble exchange rate is 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 better than it was before the war and oh they're they're doing such a great job you know Putin's gonna be doing this i've seen some hilarious conspiracy theories from the uh real real financial geniuses out there who. Think they're going to do uh, a gold-backed ruble reserve currency or some some sane thing like this? Anyways, um, they fail to acknowledge that it's not tradable by almost anybody. The volume is so low, and Russians can't buy or sell anything. Well, I guess I guess all they can do is sell into rubles, which of course props up the price. So they have a totally controlled market, and you have people. Out, so you have you have a, a group of people out here. <laughs> I would say they're you know kind of in a libertarian type of uh, hard money type people. They think that this is really great. It's really great because somehow having like literal communist style controlled markets is representative of reality. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's quite silly.
0: Well, you know, the, the thing about marketability is what we're talking about when it comes to cryptocurrency, when it comes to now the ruble, it it has to do with marketability. That's, it's a very simple thing. There's not a market outside of Russia for the, or the ruble. Very, very little. It's it's limited. And, and you get these people and, in, uh, all week, I've been traveling all week. We're delayed on our podcast for that reason. But there, you have these people that I'm seeing nurses and doctors and business owners and lawyers and everybody who, oh, they. what do you think about crypto? Should I get into crypto? And I, I here's my response to it. Can you tell me as if I don't know what crypto is and they can't do it? It's like, well, it's the latest thing. So when you said, oh, the ruble and, and gold back ruble and crypto, people... Fine, you know. Listen, I've got. Uh, I took a really cool picture. I'll put the picture up on the uh, on the uh, on the, uh, p- the website. Let's sell the picture of uh, that that storm that I have, and uh, it's an NFT and it's worth millions of dollars. Says who? Yeah, I say it's worth a million dollars. Okay, so it's all comes down to the same thing: supply and demand and marketability. When it comes to like this whole Russian invasion, I always use it in terms of supply and demand, not just for people and munitions and weapons, but also in public opinion. And guess what <laughs> they have no marketability, as you said, because you were just telling me earlier. Even these crazy, we'll call them libtard sites that have always been embracing everything in the world is oh, we got to right every wrong in the world. Now
1: really- they've turned against these guys, and it's like what? Well, it's just it's a humanitarian uh, thing. You know, like you no know, government might be bad, or some people, some people in a country might be bad, but generally speaking, you know, the you have empathy for you know, the the average person, right? And there's I, I've just seen a few you know the government's not the people. You can't blame the people etc etc cetera, et cetera. which which is you know it's the right perspective in the grand scheme of things generally and and the anyways the, the perspective i saw was you saw people who are much more um touchy-feely in that in that perspective were very openly discussing how they were losing empathy for the average people in russia because of the war crimes and then you know the lack of protest and resistance against the government's insanity and all this stuff and on top of that the um there's been a, a few obvious they're not representative of everybody, but they're indicative of a certain uh, perspective in Russia. There's, there's been a bunch of videos about uh, man on the street, and then uh, internet interviews and stuff with average Russians who, you know, on the whole are you know uh, all different ages, you know, uh, men, women, different ages. Uh, some look more European, some look more uh, kind of Asiatic, uh, Eurasian look. Regardless, all stripes and sizes is my point, and they're all saying things like, you know, Ukraine isn't a real country, we need to just, you know, basically we need to just genocide them and remove them from our land, because Ukraine is our territory. Just crazy shit like this that only, uh, the only frame of reference that most people in the West have any, 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 uh, comparability to is, is the stuff about Germany. That's, that's literally all people keep talking about. Which, obviously, there's lots more you could refer it to, obviously, you could refer it to the communist, uh, stuff themselves. That's more relevant, considering it's the same country that's had similar stuff happen the times in the past um it, i mean every it seems like everybody f- has totally forgotten about darfur and paul pot and mao i mean the, the list of these similar, Che, the, the list all, of, all the things that castro did oh yeah yeah, yeah. but the, it just seems like the list of these types of things you know everybody just refers to the one canonical oh, the war crime uh, humanitarian disaster slash genocide problem there's always revolves back yeah
0: but it evolves back to russia i know but back, back to german yeah just oh, yeah, never yeah, yeah. it never ends which, yeah. is,
1: which which is fine because that's just people's frame of reference but it's just funny because we actually have a lot more incidents in much more recent times that are a lot more relevant to what's going on so yeah, it's just it's just comical because I mean a good example is, is like you know people keep talking about oh you know this this is a conflict in Europe which it is I mean it's it's a big deal that this has happened since um you know it's the it's the most major conflict in Europe in since World War II but the thing is people very few people it seems like have have referenced or mentioned uh, back the uh, Yugoslavia oh no because I mean you have the same stuff going on there you have you, have, you know genocidal tendencies going on uh, some and, and
0: Sarajevo the yeah, exactly. whole thing. Yeah. It's, like, it's all,
1: we just wash it under the bridge. Yeah, and, and Russians, and it's also in a you know, similar neighborhood in the world. And the funny thing is is the Russians uh, keep, you know, the only, the only phrase that comes to mind is just bitching and complaining incessantly about NATO and the bombing of uh, you know, Serbia and all that stuff. And it's funny because it's like, well, well, I guess it makes sense that you would defend it since that's just kind of your standard operating protocol for how you guys engage in warfare. When you, when you lose, you just start bombing civilians when they're, going to get bread and shit like that. It's just it's, it's gross.
0: Yeah, I, I think what's going to happen is as we move forward, the the entire tilt of global economic engagement has now potentially permanently shifted, meaning everybody, you know, because I've talked about this forever. Uh, I have talked about for as long as I've been in business and even before when I was a kid. And now I'm not saying that I'm so smart, but I've always said this whole global, everybody trade, you know, just-in-time manufacturing never made sense to me, and I'm going to tell you the reason why. It's it's my background. Mom and dad used to can. They used to, you know, my mother had a pressure cooker. You know, we always had a garden. She always had tomatoes and beans and peas and all that. We, we canned. I mean, mom went to the grocery store. We weren't agrarian, but we always had a big garden, had a rotor tiller, and we ate a lot out of that garden. Okay, so I, that's in the back of my head. They talked about ration coupons during World War II. You only had so many coupons for, for or gas and, and all that sugar and because everybody you know if you had a tin can you, you know you turned it in for recycling i mean the whole country went to war then i think about for example you know their parents because you know oral history and i i look at this whole thing from well my dad we used to have we had a radio and it, my sister had a, a princess radio and something broke inside but my dad was able to take it apart and a wire came off and he soldered it and it worked again we we, we repaired Things now. I know that there's a lot of people today that they can't relate to that. You can't fix a radio when it's a little tiny microchip. It when it's broke is broke, and everything is disposable. And I've talked about this. You know, my dad used to say, my mom used to say, only a rich person can buy cheap things. And that always had an impact on me. So buy quality. You know, why, why are you going to spend? You know, in a designer jeans. I'm old enough to remember when there was only Levi's and there was a Wrangler. That was the only thing that was out there. And like, why would you buy designer jeans? And then when Jeans came out that were worn and torn, and they had. Why the hell would you do that? You, you're just wait. That that's a thing that has changed now. Relating that to the war, where Intel is making what they're making fabrication facilities more and more fabs in the United States. You got to get things away from China, and I think this is really going to happen. The question is, will the American employee, will the average American actually be willing to go and do those kinds of jobs? And what I'm seeing, and I really do believe this, so many men and women are saddled with so much debt especially blacks Obama and everybody's got to go to college and get a college degree
1: especially considered the historical norm like seems like you know the the dominant racial group the white in the United States are used to dealing with debt historically speaking when you look at the charts black people didn't have debt like they just not a thing they did they you know good good on them in in hindsight then yeah across the board though across the board it, it is absolutely disturbing to see the increases in personal debt it's almost entirely attributable to college
0: and and because, they and people but i don't think people understand i fully understand that after world war ii what did they what did the gi have when they came back from world war ii yeah gi, GI loans right the gi bill yeah. they had the right. gi bill my point being is that history continues to repeat itself and because of that it repeats itself and all you got to do is simply look at what people have done in the past so obama yep debt etc everybody's occupied you know i'm done not a big deal blah 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 but well, it's, it's it's it's
1: it's the issue with i'm going someplace but go ahead Okay, well, the issue with, with college is not that, you know, it's, it's two things. One, they forced everybody into it as a way to reduce idle hands during the recession. And then then you overinflated the supply of people with college degrees, but at the same time, you overinflated the demand, very limited amount of supply for actual college students, thus seeing prices dramatically. So now you have a result of people who spent too much money on a thing, now they can't make enough money with it. And, you know, it's just the problem is, is they're saddled with it because a lot of this is government guaranteed. Loans and they can't bankrupt out of them. They can't do anything with them other than just they'll chase them around until they pay them off or they die, whatever comes first. And you know, but but in the in the larger picture of things, it's it's funny because it's it's very predictable if you just view it from a, vac- a basic economics perspective. There's if if a if a thing is too widely distributed, it's no longer special. And that's the thing: college degrees stopped being a a bellwether for whether somebody has certain skills and is and is em- employable in certain specific industries. You know, uh, what, what what do people call them? Information or intellectual workers, creative uh, workers in general. Obviously, creatives it's it is what it is. But in, primarily, it's an indicator of you know whether or not you have the ability to just do basic things. Can you show up to work on time? Or do you have more, more potentially more sophisticated background in uh, math and, and other uh, technical skills relating to whatever it is that you you have your major in, whether it's writing or mathematics or, or sciences or, or whatever? And but it was just it was a good indicator of hey, you know, this may be something you know a, a good, a good examples like you don't have to have a degree to be an accountant you go take some basic courses like anybody can be an accountant but um obviously i'm not talking about a cpa so you do not have to be a cpa to be an accountant or not um and people
0: don't even know where the the letter cpa come from nine out of ten cpas do not know because i've done this for years how did when did the cpa get created oh they don't know we can you can you can certify public statements where does that come from they don't know that that comes from the securities and exchange act going back yes many decades the point where i was going with this is that, <laughs> is that I think people are beginning to realize, and then I'll, I'll give you a current example and go back, and then I'll give a global example. I think people are beginning to realize, you know what, if I have a high school degree and I've got some uh, some other skill training like plumbing, electrical, I've got a trade and I have no debt, I actually have more excess income to do things to put it away for investing. Oh, and I have a, a side gig where I clean houses on the side. People are beginning to realize uh, after 40 years, you'll have more money than some of these doctors who are saddled with debt. They may be hospitalists. They're not really business owners. Many, I had a great, great appointment this week with a doctor, with a uh, attorney who said, most of attorneys are just terrible business owners. Yes. They, 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 they practice law. They can sue. Do all People are afraid of them, but they're terrible business owners. And he's been hired to be the business manager of, of the firm. So you go through this thing. I think people are beginning to say, yeah, this sucks. Now, real quickly, the number of, especially women that I have met who have bachelor's and master's degrees in business administration, making 17 and $20 an hour, trying to afford an apartment that is, you know, two three four thousand $4,000. And then all the costs that go associate. And when, at the end of the day, they got no money. They're literally living paycheck to paycheck, but by God, they got the master's degree, but they got all the student debt. You simply want to sometimes go, like I met a lady, she used to make damn good money pet sitting. You do not need a master's, bachelor's or anything else to be a pet sitter. Absolutely not. And some of those jobs, and again, I met a guy, he had a white collar job. He's now doing commercial cleaning. He's a cool guy. He's got a cool gig, but he's going to make more money doing that than his white collar job. People I think are beginning to reevaluate. So let's take, that's the personal side. Let's take it on a, on a global side. What does Russia make son? Russia doesn't make things as we well know. That's a broad statement. They make things, but Aeroflot. where do they get their engines from? Where do they get a lot of their electronics from? They're dependent. Upon- well, yeah. They,
1: they, they make what is, What does Russia make? And, the, and so, so but your-
0: take that back and run that to the, the war.
1: Yeah. Well, but it just, just, just for anybody that doesn't know or is curious. What does Russia make? Uh, they basically export raw materials and energy. That's that's really it. They export steel. They export natural gas. They export oil. They have some manufacturing, but almost in all of their manufacturing is globally interdependent. So these sanctions have, you know... It's crushed them. They're SOL. Like Absolutely. Their airplane. I mean, their, their one tank manufacturing facility is, was shut down the last time I saw, uh, a week or two ago, because they didn't have the ability to get certain things they need to actually do it to, to do the manufacturing. Um, largely, I think it had to do with uh, high-speed tooling and stuff, or high-speed uh, s- tool steel, with relation to needing, um, uh, you know, uh, industrial tooling and things like that. So.
0: Yeah, and I think that, and that's a, that's a good example. If they may have tons of tanks in reserve, right? Because oh, we yeah. do.
1: On paper, they have like ten or twenty thousand tanks. A lot of them are very old now. But what in, do you have to reserve? do with those things? Well, I mean, I've seen the pictures of the, the tank boneyards, and yeah, they will need uh, lots of refurbishing.
0: you got to maintain them. So I guess a couple of things that what I would like to say to anyone listening, it's not just about having raw materials. It's also about the ability to actually design. Like, oh, designed in California, made in China, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, fine. They steal it. Uh, you get a culture of the, the of espionage and always stealing. But, you know, when it comes down to actual real creativity, we rule the world. We, we I'm sorry, but we continue to rule the world. I'm not saying that German doesn't and england doesn't in other countries
1: the west has an overwhelming amount of influence on global affairs because we still make stuff we still design stuff still orchestrate the manufacturing of stuff
0: so intellectual wealth is a big deal so you got the raw materials and you have the intellectual wealth that's cool that's two of the components but then you've got to get the raw material and you have to aggregate it and you've got to build facilities then to actually make something and then you have to have the people to do it and if you go completely robotic what do you? have to have you have to have people that maintain and repair the robotics so you
1: see where it's it's so multifaceted yeah well that that's, that's one thing people do not have a, a appreciation for and it's it's just because people oversimplify things they jump to conclusions because th- they have a lack of knowledge but you know for example you say oh well you've got iron mines and you know you got you know whatever and st- steel you know smelting and whatever and magically it becomes a product like well no i mean you know do do the milton friedman what it takes to get a pencil i was just gonna except, say that except you know instead of a pencil i mean a pencil is something that you know to be totally honest uh really anybody in the world that is uh remotely capable able being able to feed themselves should be able to figure out and set up the industries needed to put to make a pencil correct very simple but it was a great
0: example i'll I'll put a link on it
1: it's no but it's a good example because it shows the level of complexity but it's not hard complexity it's just it's a bunch of steps and you got to put them in the right order and you got to put it all together point being is anybody that's able to, to cope and and Succeed or at least, you know, keep their head above water in the modern world, as complicated as it is, should be able to pull that off. And what I mean by people, I mean, I don't mean an individual for something like a company or a country or whatever. But when you're talking about things like, I don't know, building a hundred million dollar fighter jet, which, you know, the Russians kind of do but reality is is it's you know at, at least a generation behind anything the West does despite all their propaganda um, but they even being able to do that just it is it is actually quite impressive I mean it's very impressive it's not quite it's very impressive because there's so many there's hundreds of inputs and 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 uh, and changes and modifications to get something all the way from the ground all the way to a thing that's useful a useful product in the end it's like you were saying it's it's the buildings it's the manufacturing facilities it's the institutional Knowledge on how to make uh you know reliable high-quality steel or aluminum or or other metal alloys. It's the ability to make uh, a good examples. the United States and, and Europe and, and Russia are the only countries in the world still that make very, very, very high-quality jet engines. China's trying to compete and they have this it's like J20 or something, their Big Biter jet that was a literal rip-off of uh, lots of American intellectual property. But the problem is, is it looks cool and yeah, it's it's neat. They they've put a lot of of effort building it but the one downside on it is the fact that they still can't manufacture good engines like we can so it doesn't have the thrust doesn't have the uh, dynamic capabilities i'm not as well educated on how jet engines and things like the
0: titanium but, and all of that it goes into it and just, just there's so much
1: a good jet engine is it, it's the most expensive part on any plane and it is extremely complicated
0: you you, you need to understand metallurgy if you don't understand how metal works and all of the the, the thrust of, and just all of
1: it there is so much more to it than even like a, a mild expert can right. can start to fathom. It is a very, very, very complicated...
0: And you have to give credit where credit's due. Rolls-Royce is still and GE are still just absolutely phenomenal in those areas.
1: Yeah, Rolls-Royce, Pratt & Whitney, and all, all the other major manufacturers of jet engines. Yeah, they're, they're they're some of the smartest people on the entire planet. Um, so, you know, the thing is, Russia's like commercial air fleet, they don't make their own airplanes. They have one manufacturer who is, what, uh starting to manufacture their first commercial airline plane uh since the since the cold war but it relies on all these global parts from Germany and the United States that they're not making them anymore they're shut down. Um China, same thing. They're, they're making a commercial airliner that is supposed to compete with like the 727 or something. It's a regional commute type plane. Yeah. But it still relies on American stuff. Obviously they're not sanctioned yet. But you know point is is that they're these are very, very complicated things that it have to have have this deep institutional and, uh, and, and institutional knowledge and focus on and not just for one or two generations but for many many generations to build up this intellectual capital this base of intellectual capital you can focus on really really complicated ventures like that and um, you know to, to relate it to something totally different is you look at North Korea North Korea being able to put nuclear weapons and ICBMs and long-range cruise missiles and all this stuff together um, same thing with Iran Iran's doing the same stuff um, very impressive the fact that there able to do that really shows you that they have spent a lot of effort on it. And from a geopolitical analysis perspective, that shows you how psychotic they are. And I think that is the one thing that very few people have been able to articulate is that, yeah, on average, are they nuts? Are, you, no, they're, they're normal people like anybody else, but shows you that they, as a, as a country, have a very, very, very weird, demented view. Because can you imagine if they had focused that kind of effort on things that would, I don't know, raise the standard of living for the average person in the country? These developments would just come out of it by natural by natural uh, evolution. They they would be able to do these things out of a sense of you know patriotic uh, duty and reapplication of, of civilian but methods. Let me jump Instead, in. Instead, what do they do? They focus their entire economies on trying to desperately pull off this one thing. It's just nuts.
0: Well, but but we saw it here in the United States. We saw it worldwide. I I, I know this is going to really upset some of the uh, the Kool Aid drinking uh, COVID people. But here's the thing: What did COVID do? They, it was propaganda. They Indoctrinated everybody into and lock it down and and don't listen to any other thing. What does North Korea do? They, their people are completely propagandized. They, the they exact can't. Same thing. They it's the same it. thing. Walk the just walk the walk. And if somebody disagrees, well, gather them all together into a field and we'll drop a uh, an artillery shell for practice and get rid of them. Which he actually did to uh, some people. Supposedly, yeah. Supposedly, it doesn't make any difference. It's a good. It's a good analogy that people will remember. point being is that the same principles apply, and I think that the other problem that you have going on right now tying this all together is that you have, I have, I know people, acquaintances now, because they're not friends, acquaintances who are drinking the Kool-Aid still, you know, Trump and Putin and, and, uh, you know, Pat Robertson or whatever, you know, oh, they're all together and, and they're still fighting the Nazis and, and, you know, here's the thing.
1: And, and, and the Ukraine conflict has to do with COVID and biolabs.
0: Biolabs and COVID. But how do you, how do you get away from the fact that, for example, um, yeah, artillery shells landed on train stations. Uh, cruise missiles. And killed hundreds of civilians. Yeah, and they're right. saying that the Ukrainians did it to themselves. Pictures do not lie. No. But this is, to me, it, I think we're beginning. You're you're starting to see people actually do the Baghdad Bob. Baghdad Bob may say the Americans aren't coming, but uh, I, I, God, that film was great. Uh, They're, they're right over there. <laughs> the tanks are right over there. Oh, yes, but we are still going to uh, blah, blah, blah. Baghdad Bob went to the very end. I just love the guy. I just He was going down with the ship. Going down with the ship. Nobody goes down with the ship. He did. I love it. That's what you got with the Russians. And that's what you got with some of these Kool-Aid drinkers here. I think people are beginning to say, I'm done with this bullshit. And you're seeing it in everything, in social causes and everything. Oh, nope, we're done with this. And if this can continue, where our country starts saying, we need people, real people doing real jobs, making real things at home for ourselves. Not isolationists. But we take care of ourselves first.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And if we can now, uh, instead, of de, instead of making a pejorative out of the word nationalism say we've got to be nationalistic and take care of ourselves
1: yeah i mean we can't
0: and then point at russia and say look at this and if exactly. we go after china this is what you get well yeah that's, ex- that's
1: exactly the the point is that is that russia is a foreboding example of what will happen not obviously the demented war campaign right but, but the consequences of that are a perfect example of, of what happens when you don't make anything yourselves and yeah i mean russia does make a lot of stuff like you know, we're again we're not I mean, not poo-pooing everything they do but they don't they they take a lot of imports to do what they do now that's not necessarily bad but you need to have the ability to have some amount of domestic production or have a yeah. hell of a lot of stockpile yeah or have a stockpile but that's the, that's capital intensive and then in the modern in, in the modern economic order like that's just not a good investment like you're better off spending on r d instead of stockpiling extra stuff so you know it's it's just it's a weird situation but i mean a good example of stuff that every country should absolutely be manufacturing themselves because it's Fairly simple stuff, and I it's just a national security type thing.
0: Well, it's like food um, if you don't have the ability to make enough food to feed your population, then you need to figure a way to reduce your population naturally. You need to say, uh, you know, maybe we need to do a shitload of birth control because you people can't keep your keep it in your pants because we don't have the food. And you see that there's all the an time.
1: Number of ways to feed people, people that say that you can't feed people are, I mean, you could feed half the caloric needs any country with backyard gardens. And absolutely like it is not hard um, the thing is is just how much effort does a country want to put in to survive and unfortunately you know we're at a point where there seems to be a large portion of the population who has effectively no will to survive other than go to work get a paycheck and then just everything else is done for them and you know uh, how do you deal with that i don't know but but as far as the manufacturing that goes back
0: goes, to fundamental schooling and parenting from, on on a base level which has been stripped from us because of the mainstream propagandist media
1: yes the manufacturing stuff though as far as that goes the um, a good example of just unintended consequences is what is it Russian uh, dentists were having trouble were delaying postponing indefinitely some certain procedures because they didn't have certain supplies and, uh, and implants and things they needed because they imported them from Germany Like, well okay, imagine being the guy that needs that tooth implant and now you can't stuff like that That it's long domino effect absolutely consequences of not having domestic production of very very simple stuff. I mean, it goes. It goes back to me. We've talked about this before. But with GE, GE had you know horizontal and vertical integration. They had entire giant business units that made machines that make certain things. Why, do those business units make money? No. Or did they make money? Cause they're all gone now. But did they make money? Oh well, no, absolutely not. Oh, we have a we have a business unit that de- develops you know some type of special bandsaw that we need to make something for for some certain engine. So we're using our our own products. Yeah, I'm sure they've probably sold some of those to some people, but not many. It's a it's a loss leader. Why do they? Why do they? Why do they do that? Because it gives them the ability to manufacture things, unique things. You know, they had their own tool and die. They had everything. Everything basically take the ore out of the ground and take take a raw billet of, of material. They could make anything: light bulbs, the tool, you know, the tooling to make the light bulbs, jet engines, all of the above. Sometimes you need low or no profit industries for the purposes of not just national security, but in the case of GE, just long term business security. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you're like, if you have a GE of Russia, they're now SOL. They can't do anything. But if they they had invested in those industries and business units that had you know, made them the high-speed tool steel that they need to be able to use the lathes and the uh, different other industrial equipment to make, I don't know, tanks. Maybe that would be important right now. Maybe maybe it would be valuable to the to your country during a time of war to make tanks. But, you know.
0: We're going to wrap this up real quick here, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask you some questions real quickly. I want to kind of rapidly give me short answers and I'm, I want to I'm, I'm prove a point. Um, you have a you have a diagram that's framed on your wall. Who, who 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 drew the diagram and what is that diagram of and what is that an example of? Three parts, real quickly. Who did it? What is it of and what's what is an example
1: of what people did years ago? Uh, it was my grandfather, your father. Uh, it's a diagram of a Model T engine, and I don't know exactly what you're referring to with the last one, but it is an example of uh, I guess technical drawing skills of somebody who didn't have a College degree as a technical school,
0: and it's blue paper with white. Yeah, it's a blueprint, and it's it's a it's a blueprint. It's a blueprint. I, yeah. I know, but sometimes you say blueprint. I I like to describe things because most people today don't even know what a blueprint is. Okay. okay, they don't. I mean, they just don't. So it's on blue paper. It was folded up. We've got it. it was framed. It is is it not cool or is it not cool? Yeah, absolutely. It's got his hand printed. He was very methodical on how he printed, and he got the date on it.
1: And this thing is old, right? Yep. Okay. So that's from uh, March of 1933.
0: 1933, unbelievable. Yeah, he was born 1915. And it's, it's it's it looks like something from a modern blueprint. Would you agree? Almost,
1: uh, almost. I mean, it's it's hand drawn. So of course, that's, that's the one thing that you can tell. It's it's of a prior era. It's not CAD yeah, created, definitely not. No, okay.
0: Really. So now the next thing is you have a book on your shelf. You have a book and it has all of these tools and it shows every tool and what you use it for. It's just it it it's an amazing book. I believe it, from four or from, uh, I yeah, forgot who it was from.
1: the Henry Ford shop theory. It's uh, from the 20s. It's basically, it, it literally goes through, if you're the manager of a manufacturing facility, it's just all of these, or, or just anything. It's, it's a reference book for everything. All the different tools, all the different you know uh, processes and procedures and standards for sharpening things, measurements, and all, of, all of the stuff that goes on in a really sophisticated industrial shop of that era.
0: And would it be fair to say that when you got that and we've looked at it, you spent, a lot of hours. Okay, it is literally an amazing, we'll call it encyclopedia of tools and just holy cow, did they ever describe things clean, simple, to the point. Fair enough?
1: It's an amazing reference. Yeah.
0: Okay. So the next thing is Jack Welch. How many times have we talked about Jack Welch and how, oh, Jack Welch, oh, GE, he's so fantastic. Oh, Jeffrey Immel and everything else. And how many years have you been with me where I've said, this guy's a jackass. It was all about quarterly, about getting stock up. We're just selling things and getting money and lining in my pocket because stock price is up. What did Jack Welch, oh, one of the greatest leaders in business, actually do to GE? What was GE? What is it today? And what do you? What are your? know, short summary, we'll wrap up. Jack Welch, what do you think?
1: Oh, I mean, he's just, he's a, a, a he's emblematic of the, I would say, the uh, 1980s uh, Reagan era of return to ultra-capitalism without any care for the future. Um, he is a perfect example of the worst elements of, like, when people when people criticize, you know, the, the Reaganite era of, you know, of, of, of ultra-capitalism, he is like a perfect example of it. That's what people are complaining about. They're not complaining that, oh, people own Small businesses, and and you know you were able to build you know you know family wealth off of you know working hard and uh, and grinding it out. Nobody nobody's criticizing that. Criticizing jackasses like this who took a crown jewel of the American industrial system and basically bled it dry so that Wall Street was happy quarter over quarter. And you know we now look what it, what has it been twenty years since Jack Welsh retired or something like that, and GE is a husk of its former self. It's gone. It's now it's I mean they they still do impressive things. But they are in no way, shape, or form the uh, same company that they were 45 years. They're not ago. the crown jewel that they were. I mean, like I said, I mean they used to do everything, soup to nuts, every little thing you can imagine. They needed to manufacture a jet engine, make a light bulb, or or anything in between those two relatively complicated and very simple op- uh, products. They used to do. So you know, having lost that ability to do that um, is is just it's a perfect example of like how screwed up the company is, it's, and it's really just short term focus they they focused on making sure the next quarter was always better than the last jack welsh that meant if we aren't in for an industry that that we are in or a business that we have a a subunit or or ever um if we are not a leading uh we call it a one two or three a leading producer of it in the world is on paper monetarily then they sold it insane so tons and tons and tons of very technical industries that they had institutional knowledge for they sold them off because because what do we need it for? It's not making us money.
0: So I'm going to ask you to give an example of something, a short one, then I'm going to wrap it up. But one of the things, and this is for another day in our discussion, but a lot of people do not realize what the Clinton administration did with stock options and executive compensation, how that really uh, exacerbated, really caused problems taking the Reagan era and just driving, again, short-term capitalism and lining pockets. And I'm going to tie all of this together in just a minute. But before we do that, there's a funky word, and you can pronounce it very easily, easy. It's about creating a village in China or creating a little town in, in Russia. And we take all the tourists there and everybody gets to see how pretty everything is. Very quickly, tell everybody what that's
1: called. It's called a Potemkin village. It's a reference to Soviet Union and it's a, a real place. They would take tourists to, to show everybody how great communism is. Yeah, so this was
0: Potemkin village. Potemkin. I, I'd know. never pronounce it right. Potemkin village. And
1: it's it's fake. It's Disney World. That's It's a. Simulation. It's a simulation.
0: And the Chinese did it and all the the Olympics, they do all that stuff. Oh yeah. So the thing is what I want anybody who's listened to the whole thing to understand, we talk about this literally every day, don't we? And we talk about these kinds of things. Yeah. We connect the dots from old school, historic school, ancient school with today. Nothing changes. And so as I've said, um, you can put a pretty you can take a box and you can put dog dew in the in the box, okay? And you put the dog dew in a plastic bag and seal it so it doesn't stink. And then you can take the box and you can put wrapping paper on it. You can put a bow on it. And you can say, you know, this is, you know, whatever you want to say. People buy it. They buy the package. It's like I've said with cakes. You go to Publix. You go to the cake department. Oh, look, at this cake is so beautiful. It's got the frosting. You see everything. You don't see the cake. The cake is, is cake. You're seeing all of the decoration on the outside. And that's my point is that a lot of times people see the frosting. They see the sprinkles. They see the candles. They see the wrapping. And the bows, but what's inside is garbage. And even if it's good stuff, it's not the whole thing. It's like, how many people have ever ordered something where you're missing a part or two and I can't complete putting it together, okay? I think everybody's ordered something from Ikea. And it's like, I'm, I'm missing two bolts, <laughs> It's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Anybody's ordered anything from China. I mean, half the time it's, you know, really, you know, cross your fingers and hope to die that just got all the parts. I mean, we've done it. So that's what we do here. And so this discussion, I think, is a good discussion of what's going on in Russia. It's Stay away from the politics. Be aware of it. But let's look at the whole picture. It comes well, back to basic things, doesn't it?
1: Well, there's just a tremendous number of lessons that a, a rational, unemotional, or, or less emotional person can take away from it, um, you know, because there's... There's there's always lessons to be learned from everything. If you don't learn from other people's mistakes, you're, you know, as I don't remember who somebody said, you're doomed to repeat them yourself.
0: Yeah, okay. With that, we'll get out of here. And um, our mistake is we didn't get this recorded when I stopped back for a brief period of time, so we're a little bit late getting it up. But, yeah, don't be afraid to make a mistake. People sit on the fence all day long. Nobody knows who they are. Yeah, you shouldn't be afraid to make a mistake if you're
1: going to learn from it. If you're not going to learn from it, definitely be afraid (laughs) because you're going to make it over and over and over. As the
0: Russians damn sure are doing. We're out of here. Well, that's going to be a wrap for today, and one of the things we will be doing on a regular basis is uh, we're going to be doing these things. Bingo. And we'll be doing the Probing polls. This is episode 273. Had a lot of fun, and we enjoyed it, but one of the things that you may not realize is that... Bingo. This is what we do for clients. We provide this information on a regular basis. So you're kind of getting a little bit of a a little touch of what we do and informing our clients on the, the type of investment advisory services we provide here at Fixed Cost Financial. And I'll be very blunt with you, we do it better bingo it's investing done better and that's our little thing so go to fixedcostfinancial.com it's fixedcostfinancial.com you can see the way it's supposed to be done with that we always end up with a song and i am a big fan of wagner so let's uh do what we normally do at the end of our show let's take a little ride with the valkyries and uh, we're out of here with that want you to kind of think about Vietnam. What did we learn there with the Hueys? And we've got uh, Robert Duvall. He's the commander of the the helicopters. The Hueys are going in. They're coming across the water. We've got the uh, sound, the music, the big speakers, and we're going to be kicking the ass of the enemy. That is what we are getting ready to do, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's another world of top gun. Watch for how the American government is going to promote our need to kick the ass of the Russians. We are in a world war, and you better get used to it. Come back next week. We'll tell you the same thing. Join me on Tuesday. Join me on Friday, or should I say join us on Friday for the probing pause. We're out of here. Hasta luego, si manana. Done.